Have you ever gotten your message lost in translation? Launched a well-thought-out content on social media only to get lost in the noise? Welcome to the Moving Beyond Acronyms Podcast. We are here to help you with practical tools to find your voice, craft shareable content, stand out in the marketplace, expand your tribe, and convert followers into ambassadors or customers. I'm Torrent, your host, a message master that's helped leaders, entrepreneurs, and businesses ignite their message with lasting impact. Each week, we will go behind the scenes to share real and deep conversations with the most prominent message masters on how they took an idea and crafted content that have trended to the stratosphere, boosted the bottom line, and improved the world around them. Now, let's get started. So welcome to Moving Beyond Acronyms podcast. This is our second installment of the CANAB series. And I'm really excited to have two ladies from the Kane uh, Office of Tourism. I'll have them introduce themselves. Really about how this town changed in six years. Beforehand, it was kind of like losing sight of the great heritage they have and having been reminded of that heritage. So welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate so, it. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So Camille, let's tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am Camille Johnson-Taylor. I'm the director of tourism here. I grew up here and then I was gone for 18 years and I've been back about nine years now. My name is Jeanette Petrus. I'm the assistant director of tourism here in Kane County. I'm from here also. I grew, grew up in tourism. My dad owned a gift shop here in town, Denny's Wigwam. He's okay. Denny. Okay. And so I grew up in tourism. I left for 12 years, went to college, started a family, and then decided it would be a great place to raise my family. So I came back. So you both came back. So we what made back. you come back? This place, I don't know if it's the iron in our soil or what, but it has severe gravitational pull to pull you <laughs> back home. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're a dime a dozen people like us who mm-hmm. grew up here. We probably resented the small town life a little bit and couldn't wait to get out. And then when we got out and realized how great we had it here, we had to then work to get back home. I wanted to raise my kids here. I wanted my kids to have the opportunity to go out and walk up the walk down the street, walk to the store and not be worried about any dangers that way. And I wanted them to be able to go out in the hills and explore and go build a campfire and camp and just have the childhood that I had. That's great. So the reason I brought you guys here today is I'm so fascinated about how really this town has really changed in its six years. And I thought, Camille, if you could tell us a little bit about when you came and became the director of tourism and what you saw and what has happened since. And I've kind of alluded to that with Travis because Travis said when he came here, he didn't really want to stay. And he decided he's going to be part of changing the town. And I think several of you guys had the same kind of attitude at the same time and kind of have changed this town. I think so. When I came back, the thing that I noticed is that the dialogue I was seeing on social media was quite negative. You know, people are saying, I hate this town or there's nothing here to do. One guy said, come on vacation, leave on probation. Like there was just some really (laughs) funny things going on. And it kind of broke my heart because I had been several other places, traveled around the world and realized how special this area is. And so I wanted to see that pride change to where we had more local pride. And over the course of, you know, when I moved back, even before I worked at the Office of Tourism, 
I was like showing them what I loved about this area. So I hope to influence kind of the conversation taking place on social media. I love exploring this area. There is endless opportunities for exploration. So I was going out, taking my kids um, and exploring this area and then sharing it on social media, how blessed we are to live here and how amazing it is that we have all these options in every direction from Kanab. So when did you become the director of tourism? So I've been the director for four years and I was the assistant director two years prior to that. So six years. You've been there for six years and you just came on board, Chinat, right? Six months, right? In last June. June, Right. But you've kind of observed as someone that's lived in Kanab. Yes, definitely. You've seen the change. So that's nice to have a witness here. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm just curious. So when you came on, what were the things that you did or tried to do or saw that worked because what, what kind of what I'd love our listeners to learn about is that, you know, you can have even a whole town that's negative and you can turn it around by just tapping into what the message is, tapping into what's in the heart of the message. So right. just wanted to hear from you. What do you think were some of the things that galvanize people? I think just kind of empowering them to capitalize on the opportunities there that are here. So we don't maybe have shopping or we don't have, you know, the things, the, a bowling alley or an arcade, but we have natural wonders in every direction. So instead of being down on what we don't have, let's celebrate what we do have. And so that was kind of the voice that I took. And then when I got hired by the Office of Tourism, I realized that one of the things that I kept hearing over and over is there's nothing to do here. And I'm like, yeah, there's nothing to do if you want it to be like a city. But if you start to treat it like the outdoor destination it is, you are going to be so happy here. And so Not only did I start to show them the beauty of this area, the exploration that could be had, but then anything that was going on in this community, I made sure to blast it on social media. And we started to develop our calendar, our events calendar. We started to use our Canab classifieds where a lot of people tap into locally and just show them everything that was going on. So when they say there's nothing going on, that's just because they didn't know, I think, before. So they didn't know. So you think the first thing that kind of was just to highlight was what was actually going on. Yeah, to, to highlight what was actually going on and what they already had. And what happened from there when you did that? So it was interesting. When I first came on, we went through this rebrand, and that was no easy process. I'm sure it's no easy process everywhere. Did you, have, a cl- you, did you have like a consultant? Yeah, we had have- an ad agency. So um, we went out to RFP. We had several ad agencies come in and respond to the bid and present, and then we picked one that we felt like would best help us to find our voice and our brand. So we went through that process. And of course, we had all these stakeholders involved. And I think it was kind of hard to actually unite on what was presented. And there was actually a lot of dissent and people were kind of like doubting it and kind of wanting to go back to the drawing board. But I loved it. Over time, it took me a little bit. And I finally had to be the one to say anything is better than nothing because we didn't really have a voice and there was really nothing to stand behind. And so... Some miracle happened and we actually got together and united on this brand that then we were able to launch. And what is the brand? And what were the various voices that were dissenting? What was it? Was it more like traditionalists kind of scared or was it just not really seeing it? Or uh, You know, I, I don't know that I would say that. I think one of the common things that we have for the people who live here, they're very passionate people. And I think that's partly because to live in this remote rural area, you have to kind of be a strong personality. 
And I think that's what we have as Common Ground is a lot of passion here. So I think with passion, there's a little bit of stubbornness too. And so people have, stubbornness. yeah, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of go hand in hand. Do you agree, Jeanette? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think everyone kind of had their one idea of what they wanted and it was hard to let go of that and kind of compromise. And so I had to kind of start that process of like, let's compromise, let's move forward, let's see what it does. It's not like we have to be married to it. If we don't like it and it doesn't work, we can move on. And so we moved on and the brand is Canab Magically Unspoiled. However, one of our taglines kind of started to trump the brand because it was so catchy and that's Abracanabra. So it was catchy, it was memorable, and nobody else could use it. And it was loved. Like, it started to attract a ton of people. Well, that kind of defines the magic. It really does, yeah. And now I can't even... I have to work to think abracadabra. Like, I, it's yeah. replaced. Yeah, yeah, it's just ingrained <laughs> in my, my brain now. So that was huge to stand behind a brand, to finally have something to kind of put on the flag. So magically unspoiled, how do you keep the unspoiled as you grow? Because you've grown like about yeah. a thousand people now in the last... 20 years, is it, or like 15, 10 years? Which is pretty minor when it's you pretty think minor, about but it. Is. But you're seeing a little bit extra yeah. growth now the last couple of years, and at least now with St. George, which is an hour and a half away, which is the fastest growing city in the, in the U.S., they're going to start looking outside, so the focus could be on Kanab. So yeah. how do you keep the unspoiled? Well, that's something that we're really, really concerned with doing. So our marketing, it's not about marketing to the masses, it's marketing to the quality visitor. So we're not trying to attract everybody here, but it's kind of the people who want to connect with the authentic and have kind of that local experience where they can come here and feel like a local. And I hope you felt that. Where well, why do you think I'm here on my I second know. month? <laughs> she's staying. Sorry. I asked her if she's looking for real estate yet. And she said, not yet, but it will happen. Resistance is futile. <laughs> no, but it's, it's it, I, I have to say, I've been really impressed. Like, you know, uh, I go to the pharmacy, the Knapp pharmacy. Everyone's welcome. The grocery store, they're welcoming. The guy that fixes my tire has been helping. You know, it's just been like all these, there's such a friendliness here. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, because you came here during like this whole COVID thing and the dining rooms were shut down. If I'm seeing go, minimum of it. And yeah. I'm like, wow, can I imagine what it is when it's normal? Oh, it's so much better. Like if you go to Escobar's, Rosa, she will remember what you order. So when you come in the next time, she'll be like, oh, are you going to have the chimichanga? Or are you going to have the tacos? Like she'll know what you order and she remembers you. Right. So it's like you have to stay long enough to experience that. So you might be here a little while. And I think it's fascinating because you guys have all very been targeted about your market, your target market. So like Travis has been very targeted. Right. And it fits this high end we want to have families that are kind of high end, but yet maybe a little bit retro. We want to have the European travelers. We'll have the solo, a little bit of introverts here at the Hotel Canyons. And it seems like you and Kanab itself have strategically decided we don't want this to be for everyone. Right. That's really it. And, and that's, that's very fascinating. And we're okay with that because we want to be strategic in maintaining the essence of who we are and preserving our heritage. And I don't think you accomplish that by just attracting the masses. And so we've tried to appeal to the people who would appreciate Canab for what it is, where you have an authentic experience, you're experiencing culture. You know, we're far enough away from the national parks that you don't have the 
shallow roots of some of those gateway towns, you know, like they kind of become displaced and you've just got maybe the oldest residence that has been there 30 years. Right. You know, I, there's lots of families like mine and Jeanette's where we've been here for generations. Seven generations. Seven generations. From the founders. And I'm a grandma. So my grandkids who were born here were ninth generation. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So pretty, pretty fun. I love having those kind of deep roots. You don't hear of that much anymore. Right. So you have the deep roots, you're keeping the heritage, but at the same time, you've expanded a bit. So you started with the, with the branding, you got people on board with, when did the Abracanabra start coming along? So that was right at that branding process six years ago, like right when I started. And, you know, there was like eight taglines. That was one of them. And it's kind of like the other taglines have just kind of minimized or diminished over time because Abracanabra is what people are really starting to identify with our area, which it does denote that magic. And I really feel like that's not some cheesy tagline. I think this area is special and even magical. And people will come in and even say, what is it about this area? It feels magical. And I'm like, it is. I don't know what you can tangibly call that, but I think it's really it is the people. I, it's more than just the destination. It's more than the variety of outdoor attractions that we have. There's just this amazing community that is open and yet kind of traditional and yet um, kind of progressive at the same time. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you have like vegan vegetarian food here. You have like you when you when you drive along the highway and you go to a little town, you don't find a town with so many eclectic interesting uh, food. You have high-end art, uh, great galleries, and then you have these great hotels that Travis is kind of a part of. So, Well, and I think that's part of our very heritage from the beginning. Early on during the, the first settlers that were here, John Wesley Powell, who mapped the area, he was kind of staying on the outskirts of town And they're like, hey, what are you doing? You're going to be killed by the hostile Indians that are out here. Why don't you just come in here and hang out with us? So he did. And he he thought it was the Mormon pioneers that settled this area. He thought they were quite strange. But yet he fell in love with them and realized what like ingratiating people they were and welcomed him in. And so when he mapped the area, he actually put Kanab in the center of the map. Oh, really? Yeah. And then and then later. There was um, Hollywood that became interested in the area and they started filming a lot of Western movies here. And what other kind of small traditional town would welcome in Hollywood the way that Kanab and King County did? And they did wholeheartedly. They brought them in and they were so willing to help. They had horses, they had cows, they had wagons, whatever they could do to help put these movies together. They were so willing to and they embraced that whole industry And then 35 years ago, I think it was Best Friends that came here. And again, for this small traditional Tell a little bit about Best Friends. What is Best Friends? For some listeners might not know what that is. Yeah, so it's the largest no-kill animal sanctuary in North America. On any given day, they normally have about 1,600 animals. It's over 5,000 acres of land. So it's not like a shelter where you have animals in cages. You have these group living areas for the different animals. So they have a pretty amazing life. The objective is to get them adopted out, but even if they weren't adopted out, they'll have an amazing life there at the sanctuary. So they came here over, I think it's 35 years ago now. And again, this kind of small traditional town welcomed them in. So it's part of our history of being welcoming. Yeah, it is quite 
Do you still have anything with Hollywood or is it not as much anymore? So now it's less about films as it is more about product commercials because we have all this variety of landscapes around. You see a lot of product commercials being filmed here. Yeah, I don't think I can name them or I would. Yeah, so what I like about it is Little Hollywood. And I was like, you know, Ronald Reagan has been here. You know, you have, I can't even remember all the famous people now, but you're like so Frank many. Sinatra Frank Sinatra and John Sinatra. Wayne and I'm Frank Sammy Sinatra. Davis Jr. Yes, Sammy, Sammy Davis Jr. Jr. You have all these people and you have these nice little plaques. Yep. Mm-hmm. When did that start? You know, I'm not sure what year that started. It's probably kind of in line with Western Legends. That's a festival that we have every summer celebrating the Western movie actors and then the real cowboys of today that live here in this area. And so I think that started with that. And we even have like, the cool thing about that is there's these old movie stars that have been here that um, say like my mom's generation, they love and know. And, and you know, like when Clint uh, Walker was coming here, he, he was like in his 80s, 90s, and women would still go weak in the knees meeting that guy. <laughs> he just had swagger. He was a sexy man. But like John Travolta has been here, mm-hmm. Mel Gibson, uh, Christian Slater, Jodie Foster. Um, there's like a handful of very modern actors that have been here. So it's just kind of an exciting part. One more thing that I think adds to the magic of Canab. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Yeah. So you do the branding, Abracadabra. And then did you start then developing these major events, these activities? Or how did you turn the town around? How long did it take when you got the when you got the brand to you got people starting to yeah, so, actually exhibit more of the magic that has kind of been hidden? So one of the things that you need to know about cannabis, we've traditionally been very seasonal. So it's like when the opening of the north rim of the Grand Canyon happens, it's like we're immediate full occupancy, and that's typically mid-May. Be a little bit delayed this year with the whole COVID thing. And then when that would close mid-October, that was like our season. And so we realized that we had to overcome the seasonality. It's just tough because we want people to be employed year round. We want them to have family sustaining incomes. Love for my kids to be able to move back here and have a family sustaining job or even, you know, for Jeanette's kids to not have to leave if they want Mm -hmm. to stay here. Um, We have educational opportunities and hopefully year round employment. So we started to look at the slumps in our occupancy and then put events to help boost those times of year. So like balloons and tunes is in February because we'd have like a boost from the holidays and then it would kind of flatline, go down, and then we'd have a lift from spring break. So we worked with a balloon meister to put together an event and it worked out that February was a good time for all the other balloonists in the area where they weren't committed elsewhere. And it was a good time for us to boost a time of year that we didn't really have a lot of occupancy And so we created that event and it was a success from year one. It's just gotten more and more successful each year. How many years has that been? So it's six year. We celebrated six years this year. So, and then we've done some other events throughout the year. So one of the things that we do as a tourism office that maybe others don't is we actually fully fund an events department. And so we're able to put these events in the gaps um, in times of year, like Western Legends that I mentioned. We have. So when was that established? That's been. 22 years, I think, we're coming years? up on. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the county just took it over, though, this last year because it was an independent organization that was doing that. And it kind of, for a lot of reasons, they just realized it was the right time to hand it off to somebody. And okay. so the county took that over. And last year we had to reinvent the event a little bit because it was 
more about bringing the movie stars who had filmed here. And unfortunately, a lot of those are getting older and the it's audience was getting older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we changed the event last year to where we introduced Country Battle USA and it's about country music. And so. We oh, can, that's a great idea. Oh, it was so much mm-hmm. fun. So we pay $15,000 to the top band and we had six bands last year. And I think we're willing to take up to eight this year. But they compete for this title. And the reason why we have that event where it's at, though, was that back-to-school slump. And so we needed something what to What date is that in. around? That's right. It's usually mid-August. Mid-August, And so okay. that's why that event was placed there. It's moved a little bit through the 20 years that it's mm-hmm. been around. But that's where we found kind of the sweet spot is for that event. And then something we did last year, well, we've been working on it for years, is we have a new convention center and that's really to put heads and beds in the off season because like St. George, for example, you brought them up. They use their convention center to put heads in beds November through April. Heads in beds. I've not heard that before. That is totally a tourism term. That's, <laughs> that's an acronym. Yeah. There we go. Great. There's an acronym. So let's so yeah. we expand the acronym is that you want to have as many heads in beds. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Want to fill your own it kind of sounds crude, doesn't it? I don't know. There's something off about that because obviously we care about the people who are coming to. They're more than heads and beds to us. But that's why that convention space was built. And what a rough year to enter the convention space. You know, right. we had some conventions booked and then COVID hit. And so um, everything that we had lined out so far has been canceled or rescheduled. But what's nice is this is a great place for a convention. It totally it is. is. It's, it's a great yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have activities they can do outside of their convention to have your evening or day activities. They can go out in the hills. They can do a tour. We have lots of places to eat. It's a really great location for a convention. Yeah, it really is. And you and you can kind of control it, too, where you're not like having people running all over. You kind of have a place. Well, I know. And it's also safe, too. Yeah, for me, like when we have the Utah Tourism Conference, um, I love it so much more when it's in a small area like this. Because like when it's in Salt Lake, a lot of them live up there, so they just go home. Right. And so you don't have that connectivity that happens, mm-hmm. the networking, the team building, camaraderie, the I team think, building. Yeah. So this is an awesome place to have a conference oh, yeah. or a convention. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So Jeanette, you've seen it from the outside. So now we've heard from Camille from the inside of yeah. how she's worked. How, how have you seen it change? Well, as I said, I grew up in tourism. Right. And uh, my dad had the gift shop. And it's, I've seen a big change in even the traveler that comes as I grew up, a traveler comes. Yeah. It's interesting. Tell me about. Well, that. we we grew. Up, I grew up with buses coming. The okay. main thing that we watched for is, oh, there's a bus. <laughs> there's a bus, and that's how people traveled yeah. then. Right. They were on set tours, and there was a bus, and you know we wanted them to stop, and so we did whatever we could to get them to stop and make their experience awesome when they did, mm-hmm. and that was great. And then as I've come back now as an adult and seen now, we, I don't see the buses like we did back then. I think they're still there. But I think a lot of people are independent travelers now. That's been a whole different way of marketing. And, and well, and that's something we've purposely gone after, too. We felt like our ratio of bus traffic was too high. And they're not, they don't have the connective experience with a destination like an independent traveler does. Mm-hmm. So we tried to adjust that on purpose with the tour So you adjusted it on purpose. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, so it's been good. And also, I think with the internet, people can research on their own. They don't have to go through a travel agent, and they don't have to go on a bus to get somewhere. Right. They can jump in their car and drive. And that's why our, our to have uh, and to share what our secrets are and our magic is so great so that people see that or hear about it, and they want to come find it for themselves. And so many of our locations are so 
private and out there on your own, that you're out there, you might be the only one out at a destination. And that's something that people don't get. Otherwise, if you go to a big national park, you're, you're not really ever alone there. And so I think that's what, that's an awesome thing. People want to find a gem. That's what I found. People want to find a gem. They want to find something that not very many people know about. And they want to be able to put that on their Instagram story that they found it. Right. I know. I was really, I was really um, getting a lot of traction with the peekaboo. Oh, Slot yeah. Canyon. oh yeah. Cause you don't really hear about Slot Canyons as much yeah. from the outside of Southern Utah. And it almost feels like there's a veneer hidden around it. Even the wall, you don't find much about the wall, but when you find about the wall, then you find out that a lot of people found, and then there's a whole yeah. waiting list for it to get there. The, the wave. Yeah, the wave. Yeah, what did I say? Wave. The wall. The wall, sorry. I know, I was like, what are you Sorry, the wave. But it was just, you know, that was like... Well, I, that's I, so yeah. interesting because I didn't even know about the wave as a kid, did you? I didn't we know didn't about it. We didn't even know about it. And then it was in 2009, I believe, that Microsoft used that photo and it just went crazy and so and so it's it but it's still it's with the with the lottery to get into that it still makes it quite a experience if you get to go i mean i only went a month ago for my first time ever how'd you get a month ago was it open well it it was right before it closed i think i went the week before it closed yeah and um so she got to go as an admin because we do promote it it's like they felt like she needs to know what the experience is like Yeah. yeah And what I'm hoping is when the lockdown ends, the day it opens, I'm going to be at the yeah. BLM office. Oh, I know <laughs> you are. You know what? I was, I have to say this, like when I first moved back, I hadn't been to the wave either. Mm-hmm. So it was in February. I took my kids, you know, we went to the lottery and I was kind of like, oh, this is a fun experience. Even if you don't win, the lottery yeah, the lottery's cool. fun. And we won. We were like the first one called. And so I took my kids and we hiked in February. And there were so few people there then. And even still in the winter, it's just way less crowded. You know, right. so your chances are better. And it's rare that it gets snow. And if you actually see the wave with a smidgen of snow, it's a beautiful experience and kind of rare. So well, I'm going to put the wave on the, on the show notes yeah, so you can yeah. see links to it. Because it's an absolutely amazing it is, but remember, if you don't get into the wave, the there's wave so is because you've seen it around, but there's yeah. also White Pocket, there's South Coyote Butte. South Coyote Butte, oh my gosh, then you got Coyote, Coyote Butte too. There's not just the South Coyote. Yeah, there's the North yeah. and the South. Yeah, yeah. yeah the North we do and a lottery yeah. for both of those. And that's actually, yeah. the wave isn't just the wave, it's North Coyote Buttes. Yeah. So there's so much more that you actually can see if you win that permit than just the wave formation. But mm-hmm. a lot of people just... Beeline it to the wave and then come back. Yeah, I know. So amazing. if you win, I recommend you hire one of our local guides. I would hope. That's definitely. Oh, yeah. And they'll take you to all the other cool places in North County Buttes. Yeah. Now, that's incredible. It's so sad that it has to be such a lottery for it. You know, it's interesting. I think it's a good way of kind of managing it because it's a fragile area. Only so many people can hike it. Um, so 10 of those permits are done online four months in advance. So anyone from around the world can put in for it. But then if you come to Kanab, there's that walk-in lottery. And of course, your chances are way better because it's those who are willing to show up in person. And a lot of people will stay here multiple nights. I mean, some people have stayed here for a month trying to win the wave lottery. And then they never run out of things to do, though, because they always have a plan B. They don't win the wave, then they go to Zion one day, or they go to North Rim, or they go to South County Buttes, or Buckskin Gulch. I've been here, um, you know, I'm seventh generation. I've been back nine years. There are still things that I'm seeing that are new all the time. Over the weekend, I went to this place, Cutler Cove, with Travis. I hadn't been there before. And And I went to Cat Stare. Cat Stare. And I'd never been there before. Cat Stare? 
It's called is it yeah, Castera Riffraff. So, so there's a bunch of old cars from like the 50s and 60s that they use to um, prevent erosion in this like area before Slot Canyon. And so it's kind of fun to go in there because it's in the shadow. So they still have all these bright colors of these cars. And so you see all these, we call it the Detroit Riffraff in Castera. You can go see all these cars wow. and then go into this little Slot Canyon. It's awesome. Where is that? It's about 45 miles from here, mm-hmm. going east. Is there like links so you can see that? Mm-hmm. So one I'll of the cool things yes. that yeah. we've done is, of course, we're in the middle of the national parks, you know, Bryce, Zion, uh, Grand Canyon, North Rim, and then Lake Powell. But we wanted to help people find those hidden gems like Jeanette mentioned. And so we have 70 adventure maps to help facilitate people getting out to these special places without. Is that those one pagers? Yes. Yes. I love the one. When did you come up with that? Because like when I come here, you know, I felt kind of lost in the beginning, but then Travis right away gives me these little one pagers. And it's it's a really nice one pager where you have an explanation of the place you can travel, a map, directions. Can I take my car there? No, you can, you need this, this, you need a four wheel drive. That's one thing you really need when you're here is a four wheel drive to get to these gems. Exactly. But it's a really, really nice way for someone that comes in to really feel or us locals too i mean i used the map yesterday to go there and i'm from here but they're so great there's places that we don't even know about it's so nice to actually have a map with the Mm -hmm. detailed information instead of going to the gas station and asking a clerk who kind of gives you these fuzzy directions you know so this way too when we talk about that local pride is we gave locals a tool to get out and explore and then also making them feel confident to be good ambassadors for our area. So when somebody says, hey, what is there to do here? I don't leave for the North Rim till tonight. They can then feel confident mm-hmm. taking a one-sheeter and saying, oh, my gosh, you got to go see Peekaboo. It's the most amazing place. So that's one of the things. And you have 70 of those? 70. Wow. Yeah. One of the things okay. I didn't mention that we did to kind of turn the local pride to is we did familiarization tours. We treated, Familiarization tours. Okay. We actually, so we often do that to VIP who come in, whether they're media or a tour operator, but we actually started to do that for our locals, like the frontline staff. So we would take them out to best friends and experience that because a lot of people, even though it's been here for 35 years, have never been. And then we would take them to Coral Pink Sand Dunes and Peekaboo and places like that that they hadn't been as a local. And then once they went, they got so excited about their own area and then they wanted to do more. So they suddenly became very good ambassadors of our area, both online and engaging with visitors. So first you do the branding, then you really revamp with these events around, mm-hmm. and then you kind of like have a familiarization tour for your, for the locals. Yeah, really yeah cool. it was, you know, a multi-step process, but I think now you're getting to experience it, kind of the fruits of it that's taken years as to where locals are more proud of their area. They enjoy it more themselves. They feel better equipped to then help people enjoy it as well. Is there anything else you did for the locals to, to generate that pride? I don't know. Can you think I of think anything? what we're doing right now yeah. is building a lot of pride. Yeah, tell the- me about that's really interesting yeah. with the coronavirus, because mm-hmm. I liked what you guys were saying. We can't really market on the outside and, and folks in town don't really want outsiders because it was, it was yeah. funny because one person says, you're an outsider, but I was next to Travis and Travis goes, no, she's not an outsider. She's been here for a month. Yeah. <laughs> she's a local now. <laughs> she's a local now. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that's nice. But I can see why they don't want it because you kind of get weary, weary about the whole COVID-19. So how did you guys tell them a little bit about what you have done? Because you shifted your target audience then to the locals. Yeah. We always consider them our first audience anyway. Oh, you do? Always. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
even though we market to the outside, we always want to maintain uh, the local quality of life. And so we always kind of run it through that litmus test of like, what impact does this have on the locals? And then we also Mm -hmm. actually work on infrastructure projects to enhance our destination because we want to always improve it for local living as well. And we're actually able to take tourism dollars and spend a portion of that toward infrastructure improvements. But Jeanette, I'll have her talk about that with her marketing team. They have been going gangbusters during this COVID crisis to work with our locals. Yeah. Yeah. When this happened and we were, we were worried, like, what are we going to do to keep busy? We're not going to be able to market to the outside because we don't want to have people not feel safe and travel. And, and so anyway, it turned out that we were able to use a portion of our budget. We bought a whole bunch of gift cards to all, all kind, all the restaurants in town that were still open and also to some guided tours, some of the guides that were still able to do tours. And then we went on Facebook. So virtually and did giveaways. And in our giveaways, it was so fun. And it really built, I felt some community pride because we did things like, tell us your first memory of Kane County. And then all these people would flood in with their memories and people love to share their experience. So it was really fun. It's really fun for me now to even go back and read them and see that. And then would put all their names in and then that the next morning would have a drawing and would give away like, I don't know, 20 gift cards a day at least. And then the next day we did one. What's your favorite recipe that is passed down or a current favorite? And that was fun because that brings out our heritage, you know. Can almost do a cookbook on We that. could. Yeah, we've, we've talked really, about we've that. We've talked about it. Oh, we you really should. Did. And then we did things. I mean, we just, every day we did, we'd have them post. What's uh, your favorite hike that you've done in the King County area? And that was really nice, too, because we want locals to see each other's ideas, what they're doing. And then that way, again, they can be our ambassadors and share that when if they're, say, working at the grocery store and someone comes in and says, what should I do? You know, they can say, oh, we saw this and it was really fun or I just went and did that. And so that was an awesome opportunity that we had. And it, it really during the covid time when it was all uncertain, it brought a really fun element to it and a really bonding of our town, I felt like. Tell me about the retro thing. I think the listeners would love to hear that. The dragging man. Yes, yes. Well, we have to explain our, our growing yeah. up here. Yes, explain so, the growing up years. I love this one. Yeah, Jeanette and I were in high school at the same time. We both graduated mm-hmm. from Kanab High School. And you got to think of life before cell phones. You know, I know yep. that's hard for millennials or, you know, our yes. kids to imagine. But when we wanted to connect with our friends, I mean, we had a landline in our houses. But if you had siblings, like there's six kids in my family, you weren't going to They would get listen. My oh, sister yeah. would pick up the phone and listen to my calls. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you didn't want to use the You didn't want to use the phone, phone and you so. didn't want to call someone. And what if their parent answered and you had to, and their dad was mean or their right. mom would get mad at you. <laughs> so we would go and drag main. That's what mm-hmm. it's called. And it's just driving the main road. It's not necessarily main street that runs no. north and south. It's just kind of the main drive through town. And you would make these loops all night until your friends would come out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It didn't take long because we all did it. And so then you'd pull over in the parking lot at the Chevron, the staged out gas station or the church parking lot. And then you would meet up with your friends and then go from there to go do something. Yeah. Or keep dragging main. Or keep dragging main. Gas was like 80 cents a gallon. So you could do that. (laughs) And you would go get your fountain drink Coke, you know, at the local drive through, Mm -hmm. get your Coke and go drag main. And you would just sometimes sit in the car with your friends and Mm -hmm. drag main and drag main, drag main. It was a thing. And so when COVID hit, and social distancing, social distancing, everyone was kind of like feeling a little cagey and, and we weren't connecting. And that's part of what is so important 
important to our community, I think. And so we don't know how to be separated. So one of our locals came up with this idea. She's like, hey, what do you guys think about Dragging Maine kind of going retro? And we're like, we love it. Mm -hmm. So we're like, you post it because we want to show our community is interested in our community. Oh, I love that. So what you're doing is you're you're making sure other people are participating. Yeah, we want to hear your ideas. And so... Then we started it, and this was, I think it was the fourth week on Friday we were talking about that. And so people just get out and drag Maine. People are breaking out the old vehicles, mm-hmm. you know, the retro vehicles that were Grandpa's truck or whatever. My, this is on a Friday, right? Every Friday, Friday night. Now, I was wondering so why there were so many it. cars. Yeah. That's when why. I was walking, I was like seeing all these cars. I was like, wait, are we in yeah. COVID-19? Well, you right? need to follow us on Facebook, and then you'll hear all about yes, it. Yes, I will. I, I have to follow it. So it's like a two-hour time period, just from 7 to 9. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, And we're encouraging people go out and do like get your takeout order you know go go through the drive-thru and get your food so we want them to spend money and kind of make it about putting back into our economy and then come out and drag Maine and one of the things that Jeanette's team did when during that giveaway was reach out to the audience and say share with us your favorite song that reminds you of Canabra King County mm-hmm. and we and created a playlist. a playlist so you made a playlist yeah, so then it's on our local radio station that's normally just like used by our law enforcement, but they're letting us, they're working with us. And so they're playing the playlist every night or every Friday night. The during law the enforcement is. Law yeah. enforcement, yeah, they're working no with way. us. Yeah. Everybody's all together. We're all in this together. Yeah. So the law enforcement is doing a playlist of all the favorite Kanab songs. Yeah. And yeah. not to mention with that, we're doing Kanab trivia throughout that. So you can win prizes as you're dragging Maine. If you hear a question and you know, you pull over and tell the answer and you win. This was a really funny one. I got to tell you. So my older brother, my oldest brother, who was visiting two weekends ago, I had the the gal from our office who was doing the DJing. I said, ask the audience what year Hal Johnson graduated because then my brother can get it. He can win a prize. This lady got out of her car and jumped out across the street and yelled at She beat him. She beat him on his own trivia question. It was so funny. <laughs> so so funny. we're just loving it. It's a lot of fun for those of it's us fun. who did that. And you know, the really interesting thing that we haven't even talked about is this is all tying into a great thing. What we were going to celebrate anyways, it's Kanab's 150th birthday this June. This oh, year wow. we're celebrating. So we were, yeah. we've already been geared up to celebrate that. And then now all this has come, happened and we've just, I feel like accented and accentuated it more about our community bonding and everything. And it's a perfect our story, year to our celebrate. heritage, our mm-hmm. history, our love for yeah. our community and our bonding mm-hmm. together. And for 150 years, we've been doing that. Wow. But let me, it's really, really amazing. But so when you think about these last six years, you've really been able to use social media. You've been able to really galvanize mm-hmm. to be more open about your magic. So you mm-hmm. haven't really been hiding it. When do you think was the moment you felt like, wow, they got it or the town really like you really felt like it was more. You know, I think that almost had to come a little bit from the outside, the outside acknowledgement for the town to feel yeah. like they'd arrived. Okay. And I think that was when we did, oddly enough, because we do out-of-state campaigns, but we did a Wasatch Front campaign. So in our own state, in the urban area, we did an Abracadabra campaign. And seeing those billboards larger than life on the freeway up there that say Abracadabra. And I think everyone I here... absolutely agree. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. here has connections to family or friends on the Wasatch Front or in northern Utah. So it's like when they got the reaction from them and the buzz hit them, like that they're seeing our larger than life campaign up there in the city, it's kind of like they felt like they had arrived. Yeah. Mm. And when was that? Like two, three years ago? Or? No, that was six years ago. Six when years we first ago. Launched that. Yeah. yeah. I had friends in Salt Lake City who were t- calling me and saying, I just saw a billboard that says Abracadabra. Is that you? And I'm like, 
Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's us. us. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's like the outside wreck. Isn't that uh-huh. funny how you sometimes have to have it from the outside before you take it? I yeah, like it, it happens so all the time. It's like yeah. the same as the wave. Right. It's been here. We just but had once to it got, hear the excitement from the outside yeah. to know we should be excited. Then we're like, almost. oh yeah, we love that place. Yeah. <laughs> so just yesterday when I went to Cutler Cove with my husband and Travis and Gordon and a couple of our other friends. Do you recommend it? Oh, I totally recommend it. It is so beautiful. I'll show you a picture. Yes. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And I'll show you my pictures too. Yeah. Yes. So my husband had been hunting in that same area years prior and he's like, oh my gosh, there's a slot canyon up here, but it's kind of like... I didn't appreciate it then. He's like, but mm-hmm. we need to go find that and go do that slot canyon now. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a whole new appreciation. And our, like Jeanette started to talk about, I think our visitor has changed. And not only because we've strategically gone after different visitors, but there's this new surge of authentic experiences mm-hmm. that are sought after. Instead of a hokey tourist experience, you want to have a connective traveler experience, mm-hmm. like what you're having and yeah. experiencing. Yeah. But what words did you use then? Like, how did you shift your messaging to the more sophisticated or the more uh, authentic? Part of it is the travel trade side of it, which a lot of people in the U.S. don't actually realize still exists outside the U.S. Because most of us Americans book our travel ourselves. We're very independent. We like to have control of it. So we go online to an OTA. We book our travel. But other countries in the world still use travel agents. They still want a travel expert that they have a relationship with that will guide them through booking their travel. And so Jeanette and I both travel overseas to meet with tour operators, find out about the right ones for our area, where they're those independent travelers that often rent a car and then they're self-drive so that they can come and stay here multiple nights and each day go and do something different. So we've started to target those from the travel trade side the business to business side of things. And then again, our, our messaging has kind of changed over time. So initially we anchored to the national parks because that's what was known. And so we had to kind of build our identity around that, like Kanab in the middle of Zion, Bryce, Grand Canyon, Lake Powell. And then um, Utah came out with its Mighty Five campaign, which is the most successful campaign in U.S. history. And it got the parks so busy that the parks were like, hey, stop, we can't handle it. We're too busy, at least mm-hmm. a couple of the parks. And so because we're a neighboring tenant to Zion, we decided how can we go beyond the national parks? And that's when we started to develop those trail maps so that we can get you beyond the park. So, yes, come and do your bucket list at the park. But then for that real connective traveler experience, let us help you to get you to our hidden gyms. And you can base camp here in Kanab, live like a local, integrate with our culture and experience these things and have that authentic experience. So that's where we've worked with a lot of native article content creators. And so when they click off to those, they can actually see those articles. Native article content creator. What what does that mean? So people who write these articles that then, so we use social media that they then see the inspirational image. And Mm. there's just like that headline, that little bit of text, and then they can click to learn more. And then there's an article like on Mm. how you would basically travel canab who we're trying to attract. And we have numerous articles and obviously we can go after targeted audiences through social media. You can get so granular on that now and start to see your ROI with those different demographics. And that's, what's amazing is we just want to go after certain types of people so we can really be like heat sinking missiles for those groups. And that's what you've been doing. And that's what mm-hmm. we've been doing, yeah. You can find those articles on our blog, too, on our oh, site. Oh, look at that. Yeah, look at those. Yeah, whether it's, it's a, a family or mm-hmm. it's a couple traveling or a senior couple, yeah. 
if you're interested in movie history or, you and know, you like, filled up like 95% occupancy usually. Yeah. So during our main season, we're full. And then it's like those shoulder seasons continue to rise every year as we market our shoulder season through events. And then we're hoping that, and we even, we've been advertising our winter season to different international markets like Australians travel in the winter, which is their summer. And so we were able to tap into that market and get more of them to come in the winter. But that's where We've been relying and hoping that things kind of go back to normal-ish soon to where we can have conventions and put those in there. Because Southern Utah is a mild winter climate. And so conferences who come to Southern Utah like to book it in the winter when it's congested or there's the inversion or the bad weather on the Wasatch Front in Northern Utah. Have you ever thought of digital nomads? I haven't. (laughs) No, I mean, because I'm a digital nomad. So I'm like someone that lives certain places for a while. And then like, for instance, Miami has this really great group of digital nomads that live in this community and they're throughout the year and they become like a base that you're not losing when there's a bad time. That's awesome. You know, I know one of the cool things about cannabis, we actually have really amazing uh, network connections. So we have fiber network to every house. Oh, I know, because Lake Powell is horrible, like Page yeah. County. I had to, that's when I was only here for a couple of days, and then I was going to go down to Page and stay down there. But I couldn't stay there because the Wi-Fi was yeah. so our internet kept you. Yeah. So the internet kept me here. So awesome. we actually have a lot of remote workers. Like my husband works yeah. out of our house yeah. and works remotely for a steel fabrication company. Right. He does all the bidding. And yeah. there's a lot of those types of people. And we love that. Like we're not looking for a big company to come here because no. that would change our culture too quickly exactly. because we're such a small population. So I love the idea of the digital nomads because we've already been trying to attract those who work remotely. So the kind mm-hmm. of onesies and twosies, we've been calling them the lone wolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a lone wolf. You're a lone wolf. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I just, I just thought it was, that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it would. So, and you could come in the winter when like there's housing available and it's more affordable. I definitely will be back. So I just want to say, if you were to encapsulate everything for both of you guys, like from you, Mm -hmm. what were your lessons? What are three things you take away? Was it Facebook? If you're going to advise someone to improve because you guys really were able to connect to your community this time. And with your work, what would you, you know, Facebook really was awesome and we couldn't have timed it better. We just started building this, uh, a community page called King County Office of Tourism. And we were just like, we got to build that. We just started it. We actually ran a campaign for NBA tickets and had a whole bunch of people join our, or follow us. And then the NBA got shut down. So luckily we took that and then we started doing all those contests and everything but i mean as far as that goes i definitely would say facebook was the was the a way was there anything that surprised you just how fast everybody wanted to be in it and everybody wanted to be part of it and how everybody wanted to share their stuff like when we put the thing about the recipe people want to share what they love and that was i don't know if it was a surprise but it was i guess a pleasant surprise because it was of course they do like i should have known that but (laughs) But I'm like, oh, let's let's do that. Let's do some more. Like, what else? I'm trying to now think, what can we do next that lets people share what they love? So you're basically, so I guess one lesson is make sure you can provide a platform for people to yeah. share themselves yeah, and make it safe for them to share. Well, one of the things Jeanette hasn't mentioned that we're going to do, and it's on our social media calendar, is start to share. So like she said, Kane County Office of Tourism is our local page where we engage with locals. But Visit Southern Utah is our Bring the Outsiders In uh, Facebook page. So we're actually going to kind of marry the two to where we get the advice from locals, like what is your favorite trail? What's the best hike you've been on recently? And then we're going to share that on Visit Southern Utah. So we're letting our locals have a voice to the outside. Mm -hmm. So they get to learn from a local. 
and that's wonderful. Yeah. So we're trying to connect the two audiences. That I like that because like as someone that likes to travel, I like to hear from the locals. Yeah. Oh, everybody does. You know, you want to hear from locals. I ask the local when I go somewhere, I say, what should we do? You find the taxi driver and say, where are you going to? You know. Well, and we always feel like take the natural passion of those locals who are willing to create something and help them, facilitate mm-hmm. them to facilitate do whatever. Facilitate the natural yeah. passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Camille, for you, like, what would you say if you're going to give like top three things that you would have someone wanted to reignite their community, reignite what they're doing? What have you learned from these past six years? Well, I think your local audience should be your first audience. I think so local in, audience is you know, your first. Yeah. In tourism, I think you forget that. You think your job is just to put heads in beds. But if you aren't keeping your local quality of life or protecting that or working with your locals and letting them know that they matter, then you've kind of missed the point. You know, we're a destination and we always want to be a destination. We always want to have that value proposition of being magically unspoiled. But we can't do that unless we focus on the local audience as well. So I just think that's probably my top advice is to never discount your local audience. As a matter of fact, you should nurture them. And then you will bring in the type Mm -hmm. of people that you want to your destination. That's interesting. And what else? Do you have any? Um, I just, I, I know that kind of, I don't know if that'd work for every destination. I think it would, but I know for me, it was just so natural. Like we said, I'm a seventh generation local. And when I moved back here, I wanted to give back to the community. I'm not one who's driven by money or I wouldn't be here in King County working for government. It's like, I wanted to make a difference. And so, um, you know, I came back and wanting to find a way to contribute to the community. And I actually got recruited to work for the Office of Tourism. And it's the perfect fit for me. I mean, I had a marketing background. I'm naturally in love with this area. Mm-hmm. I have this passion. Um, so I think this is maybe off, but I think I'm not a salesperson. It's authentic in my heart. I'm not trying to force somebody to like this destination for something that's a ploy or a play. It is what I believe. And when you believe it, you can't help but convert people to Mm -hmm. want to experience that as well. It's a natural passion. And we all believe it. Everyone at the Office of Tourism, we love our jobs. We love sharing it with locals. We don't feel like... It's easy to share. Easy to share because I love it. And we, we do this on our spare time. We're, we're not just holed up in our houses after telling people to go outside. Exactly. And hike. We were we both out this, this yeah. weekend on our own yep. without just because that's what we wanted to do. We love it. So if I'm going to summarize. So I think the first thing is sharing is caring. Yes. And you're and you're creating a platform to make sure you're sharing. And number two for lessons from you, Camille, is that don't ever forget your local audience. And I think if you think outside of tourism, don't ever forget your primary audience. Yeah. And who is that? It And for companies, it would be their employers. Employees, it's not, it's not the customer. It's right. Really, it's really yeah. taking care of exactly it's taking care of your home base yeah. is kind mm-hmm. of. And then what I also hear, which is that you're very smart on on finding your target audience. Like you, you're not compromising on what you want. You don't want the everyday travelers that go to Disney World. You want the travelers that would actually appreciate yeah. mm-hmm. what you're bringing. And I think, I think that not compromising on quality has probably been why you're having a slow growth, but you're having a meaningful growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. Thank you for summarizing it. Because yeah, like, sometimes like it. it's like, <laughs> it's inherent in what we do, but to have somebody see, we needed that outside validation. <laughs> Not at all. But I, 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 that's what I, I've just, it's been in, so amazing. Cause like Sago restaurant thinks the same way. We want these kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. Travis wants these kinds of people. And he says, you know, I know my introverts are going to be at the Canyons hotel and my extroverts and Europeans are going to be over at the, <laughs> over at the cabin. You know, and it's just so funny how, 
it's interesting if you think strategically yeah. and you are authentic and have your own heart, you really, you really get what you want. And I have to say, both Travis and Sean are on our advisory board. I had to ask them both to do that and they were both so willing, but that's kind of it too, is that like-mindedness of working together and being united as we move forward so that we can be strategic and have that common voice together. Yeah. Well, you have done that. Well, yeah. thank you so much for, for that. It was very educational. and fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it is fun. Thank you. And we'll, until next time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you know at least one or two friends that would get a lot of value from this, send this episode or text a couple of your friends right now to WhatsApp group, post it on your Instagram stories, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget to tag me at Torin B. Share with anyone you think that needs to hear this message. And if you're new, please pop on over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And how can we prove and make this better? Or how did this help you? And don't forget to join us next week for another episode of Moving Beyond Acronyms.